Greetings and salutations. Praise the Lord, redeemed family and friends, those that are joining us tonight for Faith Surge. We are indeed uh, delighted and glad that you decided to join us this evening. Before we get started, I have to do this, and it's not out of habit or formality, but we have to give God praise and thanks. We can never do it enough for our pastors in the person of Dr. Bishop James F. Harris and Lady Sylvia Harris. Amen. I am I am just so delighted to be a part of this ministry and just to witness what God is doing and has done in my life. And I'm excited about what God is doing in the lives of his people. Well, tonight we want to continue. Last week we talked about wrestling with change. Tonight we want to go a little bit further in that. And we want to talk about walking in your change. Uh, our text on last week, we looked at the 32nd chapter of the book of Genesis, and we looked at the 24th through 32nd verse. Tonight, we want to look at Genesis chapter 33, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. In the message translation, it reads as thus. Verse 1, Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with 400 men. He divided the children between Leah and Rachel and the two maidservants. He put the maidservants out front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. Verse three, it says, he led the way, and as he approached his brother, bowed seven times, honoring his brother. Verse four says, but Esau ran up and embraced him held him tight and kissed him, and they both wept. Let's just have a word of prayer here. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you for your word, for the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding unto the simple. Your word is a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our feet, and a light unto our path. It keeps us from stumbling, God, but it also shows a light to help us see where we're going. And we're indeed grateful tonight for your word that keeps us in this present age. We pray now that you will pray for a door of utterance, that your word may be spoken with all authority and boldness and let it fall on the ears of those that are waiting patiently with faith to mix the word that it may profit them, that we may grow thereby. We give you all praise, all glory, and all honor belong to you and to you only. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Tonight, I said we're going into the word, and we're going to be talking about walking in your change. Now, last week, we, we started with Jacob, and Jacob, we found him left alone, and just to give like a brief recap, we walked through and Jacob found himself wrestling uh, with who appeared to be a man. But we find that Jacob wrestled and that was a representation of God. So he wrestled with God, obtained his change and he moved from there, but he still had to face his brother. Now, tonight we're starting there. Uh, we're starting the new chapter and we're hoping that with the change that we're experiencing with going through all of this, we're hoping that 
we're also going to be starting new chapters in our lives just because of the faithfulness of God and what he's going to be doing for us. So we find here that we're starting off with Jacob tonight. Now, a lot of times it's easy for us to focus on how things have changed around us and not necessarily realize or pay attention to how we have changed within. I would start off by saying this. We have both an obligation and an opportunity to be agents of change. Uh, We must be aware that we don't become, we must make sure that we don't become so self-aware and so self-absorbed that we are only looking out for ourselves. But at the same time, almost simultaneously, we must be mindful that all of what we're going through and having to deal with is just not all about us. Last week, we posed the question, and that question was the question that the angel or that God asked Jacob, and he said, what is your name? In other words, who are you? And I'm hoping that as we're going through this, that we're coming to get to know ourselves better and how our relationship actually uh, lines up with God. See, the enemy will try to make you fearful of facing up or facing off with your past. Now, although, let's look at the text, although Jacob had had this great experience with God and he's starting a new chapter, he still had to face his brother. Even though sometimes God changes us and he deals with us, there still comes a time where we still have to face some things from our past. Like Joseph, when you're having to face your past, the way that you are victorious in doing this, you have to remember, you've got to remember the experience that you had or that you just come through. And we remember that Joseph came, Jacob came out of this with a limp. Don't forget what that limp represents and don't forget what it means. It's a limp. It marks the experience that you had with God. But I need somebody to type and say, my limp is not a handicap. (laughs) My limp is not a handicap. See, change can be liberating. It can be life changing when we choose not to be held captive by our past. We know if we go back and look at the name that uh, Jacob we, we know that his name meant heel grabber or trickster. Some of us, God has blessed us to come through some things and we find ourselves now going through this, but you have to remember what God is doing in you so that you can be prepared for what he's going to do through you. And see, I advise and caution all of us that in the present time, don't put your past on blast on social media. Don't do it. I advise you, don't do it. Don't let the enemy set you up by having you to, as the scripture says, cast your pearls before swine. And what that simply means is don't just put your testimony out there on blast. You can share it if you 
you choose to share it in a context. But don't just put all the details out there just for the sake of putting it out there. Because there is an audience, there is someone that's going to benefit from your testimony, but you have to let God lead you and guide you to the person or persons that's going to benefit the most. See, God will cause the right people to cross your path on the right day and at the right time. So don't put it on blast necessarily unless you're going to write it up and put it in a context. Don't just throw everything out there, all the details. You can share some things like that, but I would advise you, focus on allowing God to set up an audience for you so that you can actually share what you're going through. Someone that will not only appreciate it, but benefit from the things that you have been going through. Uh, one thing we don't want to do is there's a scripture that's found in the book of Deuteronomy that says, and it's 25, 20, 25, 4, it says, don't muzzle out the ox that treads out the corn. And you said, okay, where are you going with that? Simply what that means is you should benefit from the things that you're going through. Um, back in the biblical days, and sometimes even nowadays, if they have farms, it's now becoming, we don't have as many farms as we used to. But what they would do is they would put a yoke around the oxen. As the ox worked, they would also benefit from being able to eat as they went. I'm not calling us an ox necessarily, but what I am saying is you should be benefiting from the things that you're going through as you're going through them. It's not just because when you get on the other side, you can kind of see how things work together. But sometimes we sometimes miss the benefit of the journey because we're so focused on the destination. Oh, when God gets me through this, I'm going to do da 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 da. And that's true. But don't let your mistakes, one thing I want you to remember, don't let your mistakes become a muzzle and don't let your success become a gag. In other words, sometimes our mistakes, the enemy, and if you know what a muzzle is, there are two instances here. A muzzle is actually the thing that keeps someone from talking. But also, a muzzle is that is also the part of a, a weapon. It's the, it's the part where the bullet comes out. So think about this. Don't let your mistakes hold you prisoner. Being fearful to share what God has done for you. And then don't let your successes become a gag. Don't let it be to the point where God has brought you through some things, but you're still fearful to share it. Don't make yourself small because of what you think other people may think. You know, God's going to get the glory, but just wait for his timing. Think about this. If you were to think about a, a strong man, okay? Say you have, if you could imagine in your mind for a moment, a strong man that's physically built, has muscles, and you can see that he's uh, a strong fellow. You can actually look at him and see that. What would happen if you saw this strong man walk to the front of the room and pick up a feather. That wouldn't be really impressive. You'd be like, well, well, I mean, of course he can pick up a feather. He's a strong man. He's, he's obviously muscle bound, so he could pick up a feather. But what would you think if you saw the opposite of that? Now, if you saw a scrawny man, not very big, not really anything to look at, and he walks up on the stage and he stands before 
20 tons and he's confident that he could lift it. Now, if you think about that, you probably say, well, there's no way in the world that he's going to lift that. You weren't impressed by the man with the feather, but now you're sitting on the edge of your seat that I got to see him do this. Well, what we want to focus on is faith works like that. See, sometimes we look at things that are obvious and it doesn't impress us because, well, a strong man can lift a feather. But the scripture says we're able to speak to mountains and move mountains. To many, this thing that we're going through now has somewhat become a mountain for many people. But I, I, I assure you that if you will look to God, I assure you that he will enable you to do as his word says and speak to the mountain and say, be thou removed, be cast into the midst of the sea and it will happen. See, faith works better with heavy lifting. You know, just like hope. If a man can see, then why would you hope for something that you can always already see? Well, with faith, faith works better when it deals with the impossible or the things that don't seem possible. Uh, it's almost like it's like our benediction that we say that we reach out into the impossible and we hold until the impossible becomes the visible and the possible. It does that because of faith. It's not so much predicated upon our own ability. Faith or the work of faith is predicated upon God's faithfulness, not our ability or not even our own strength. Okay, because the scripture says, for it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And like I said earlier, we have to be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. Okay, don't miss the point of reference because you fail to reverence God and give him praise for what he allows you to come to, but also what he brings you through. The scripture says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We can come out of a whole, this whole pandemic experience much better than we went in. Just like the scripture says that, Lord, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, it allows me to see where I'm going so I don't stumble. That's why we need the word. And then for the path that I look ahead of me, it casts light so I can see where I'm going. The word of God says in the message translation, it says, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. See, everyone now is anticipating What's going to happen next? Everybody's wondering, where do we go from here? Well, I submit to you that if we look at the text tonight, we'll find that it gives us some insight. Okay. Jacob had, now has to face his brother. But when he goes to face his brother, just like many of us do, we tend to think, well, how is this going to turn out? How is this going to work? And in our mind, we play, we rewind things and we play it back. So, well, I'm assuming that he's going to be angry. And last week we talked about 
uh, Jago having to face his brother. And there were actually 400 men coming with him. And 40 is testing, but 400, like we said, is like compound. That's like even more. But now we find Jacob about to face his brother. When he goes to face his brother, look what he does. He actually, the scripture says, he sends over everyone before him. And he sends uh, Leah and her kids and her children. Then he sends Rebecca and Joseph afterwards. And then when the time comes for him to face his brother, it says in route to him, as he's approaching him, the scripture says he bows seven times. And I guess some people might say, well, why would he do that? It was a way of honoring or showing humility or homage to someone of authority. Well, we could look at it like this. Jacob probably thought in his mind, as many of us do, uh, if we're not mindful of what God has done in us and through us, he may have thought, well, God, I got to make sure. Lord, are you with me? I want to make sure I'm about to face my brother. And sometimes when we're about to face things that we have in our mind or in our imagination and we have been given, we have a powerful imagination, but sometimes we tend to make things worse than what they're actually going to be. If we go back up and we look at the text, we look at the last text, the last part of the text. It says, once he put everybody in front of him, it says, he led the way. And as he approached his brother, verse three, he bowed seven times honoring his brother. And that's as he approached him. Excuse me. And then what happens if you pause for a moment, you're probably wondering, well, where is this going to go? And I'm sure that if we were to put ourselves in Jacob's place, the bowing, he probably paused even after that. But look at what verse says, verse four says, said, but Esau ran up and embraced him, held him tight and kissed him. And they both wept. I would submit to you that some of the things that God brings us through, he actually makes a change within us, just as Jacob had experienced this change. Some things that you think are going to end or expect to end a certain way, it's going to be totally different. When we come through this, this pandemic, it may extend itself. I mean, we, there's no seeming, there's no relief in sight. Uh, we're getting different reproaches. We, I mean, approaches or we're getting different information from the doctors. And they're saying that a cure would be uh, 18 months to a year, a year, 18 months out. Now they're saying it might be ready by December. I would advise you, don't even, don't even put your confidence in that. Because the way this is going to turn out may very well surprise you. I really think that the response that Jacob received from his brother surprised him. As, as I believe that for many of us, when we come through this experience, it's going to surprise you. It might be tight. It might be uncomfortable. It might be a whole lot of things that you really don't want to deal with or really want to put up with. But the scripture says that we, we have to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
God is always here with us. He said, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'll be with you always, even until the end. So here we find Jacob is now facing off with his brother. But look at what Esau, look at how Esau responds. Now, this does not belittle or make light of what Jacob did. Jacob stole his brother's birthright or traded it. But it also brought about a change with Esau because Esau did not value. He valued settling up his appetite more than he valued what was given to him by birth or at birth by him being the firstborn. Jacob understood what a birthright meant. In essence, it meant that his father would divide all of his wealth and the firstborn would get the most. So think about this. If we look further down in scripture, Jacob had decided, I'm going to give all these gifts to my brother. And that would be also a sign to show him that God had prospered him. But if you read down further in your in your private time, read down further, you will find that Esau said, I don't want anything. In other words, Esau, God had even blessed Esau to where he didn't have to take anything from his brother. And you would think that there would be some sibling rivalry going on here when they faced off again. But God had already blessed and dealt with both of them. Jacob had reconciled with his past, but he had held on for a change. So now he's changed and now he's having to walk in that change. Many of us, as we go through this, we are at a point where we need real bonafide change. Like I said last week, a lot of the things that are going on now that we're seeing is somewhat on the level probably can be considered superficial. We're looking at things then and they're changing this and they're taking down the different statues and different more, all these things. And that's fine. That's fine. But the real creditable changes that we need to take place are those things that cause people to think a certain way, not just a statue, but that's more or less superficial. It's the real change. But in order for us to step into real change, we have to be like David and say, God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit of mind within me. That's the way we're going to get through and have creditable change, change that's worth looking back on. So I encourage you, remember the change that God has wrought in you. Remember what he's done in you. Don't forget that. Hold to that. On those days where it seems like things are mounting up against you, you have to be determined to know that God is still with me. Even when I can't see him or I can't trace him, I know that he's still there. I know that he's with me because his word says he will never leave me nor forsake me. So just like I was saying, your experience that you're going through now, take notes. Don't just don't just leave it all up to memory. Take notes of what you're going through, because when you get on the other side of this and we are going to get through this, we're going to make it through this. We have to keep encouraging ourselves and encouraging one another that we're going to make it through this. The norm, like I said on last week, that many people are in a hurry to get back to may not even exist when you get back there. So when we get on the other side of this, things may look very different. 
And although things can look different, what we want to do or be, we want to be different than what we are. So I encourage you, let God make the necessary change in you. The way you walk in a change is first to realize that is what God wants for you. The scripture says, I know my thoughts towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil, thoughts to give you a hope and an expected end. He wants to give you something to look forward to. So even though many of us may have suffered, a lot of people have suffered loss, loss of life, loss of family, uh, loss of jobs, loss of income, all of these things. So in light of experiencing all of this, we need real change because think about this. If everything that you once put your trust in, your job, your car, your house, all these things that you put your trust in, if for many people, a lot of this has changed. My job has changed in some ways and kind of makes you wonder just because of everything that's going on, they have put just recently within the last two weeks, they have put bulletproof glass doors in the building and they have put metal detectors for people to walk into the building. So things have changed. Things have escalated, but we don't have to fear because God is going to keep us and he has kept you this far, even with all of this going on. So I encourage you, the way to walk out your change is to put your trust in God. It would be, you would be robbing yourself of an experience if Say, for instance, when all of this is over, whenever that takes place, and we're able to assemble and come back to worship together and come back to go out to eat and to do all these different things that many people are missing. But if you look at it, for many people, it saved people a lot of money because you're not constantly going out. Some people, you know, were living beyond their means. This has brought some humility to some. Hopefully all of us can share in some of that where you, you've been able to save more. You were looking for a reason to do that. Hey, this you have to look for the good in what appears to be only bad. Nobody would think that anything positive would come out of a pandemic. But if you if we seek the face of God, we can see that there are going to be great things that's coming out of this. But if we don't allow ourselves to change, we are going to miss some of the most valuable experiences. Right now, this, is, this can be considered a sowing time. Whatever you allow to be sown within your own heart or whatever you take to heart, the scripture says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Don't allow the enemy to sow anything within you that may count against you. The enemy is he's the accuser of the brethren. Even now, he's going before God to accuse you and say, well, you know, they haven't done this right. They haven't read their Bible like they should. They haven't done this, that, and the third. He's going to constantly do that. But we are the agents of change. We are the ones that's going to make a difference. This is the perfect time for the church. It's the perfect time for ministry. 
because now people are willing to listen because everything that they put their trust in has changed or failed them to the point where it's not even reliable anymore. Some people lost jobs. They're, we've lost loved ones. This whole, this whole experience is, if you look at it wrong, you know, you, you probably can't find anything good about it. And, and one thing you have to realize is our wit is not enough to deal with everything that we got going on. We're not smart enough. I don't care what your GPA was. I don't care what your IQ is. We need God to make it through all of this. We need him. And he's waiting. He's waiting on us. So what we have to realize is change is something by nature that people pretty much resist. They're resistant to change. There's an old saying that says people tend to take the path of least resistance, you know. But if you look at it, it's just like someone that goes to the gym. If you take the easy way out going to the gym, you get on the treadmill, you keep it level, you keep it at a real slow speed, and you don't get the full benefit of it because you don't you don't let it go incline, you don't speed it up, you don't uh, you don't go by the weights, you don't go to the circuit. So you're getting a workout, but you're actually cheating yourself. You it's all within your power. You can choose to do. And this right here that we're going through, it's for us to choose to do and to change. You know, it's God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we need to be seeking the face of God. Lord, what is it that you want for me during this time? How can I be more pliable in your will? How can I be more yielded to you? Because as abruptly as this came upon us, we, we don't know. We could we could be raptured out of here before all of this is over. Everything, the stage is set. We could be raptured out of here. Or we could get through this. But if you don't take advantage, if we don't take advantage of the opportunity that is afforded to us, then we'll miss out on the other side. We won't get the full benefit. Now, while in public, we're practicing social distancing to ensure the safety of our family, our loved ones, our friends, and even the people that we don't know. But more importantly, it is my prayer that all of us have closed or eliminated any distance or space between our soul and our Savior. There's an old hymn that says, nothing between my soul and my Savior. While in public, we're wearing masks and as a measure or means to slow down and prevent the spread of this virus. But in private, I pray that we have removed all of the masks and any facades that we have worn to hide who we really are. And that we're using this opportunity to cry out to God for genuine and continual change. While we're advised and encouraged to wash our hands repeatedly, I pray that we are calling on the name of the Lord to wash and change our hearts. The scripture says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
while in public, we strive and we endeavor to prevent the spread of the virus. But I pray that we are, have not become so engulfed and inundated that we talk more about the virus than we do about our faith in God. We cannot let, allow, or permit the spread of this virus to become more viral or impactful or even infectious than our own faith in the true and living God. Because it's God that gives us hope. He's the one that gives us an expectancy that we're going to make it through this. You know, I had a close friend to tell me uh, when an opportunity had presented itself, close friend told me, God has prepared an opportunity for you. So you have to do your gift like you can't fail. The way that you put the silence of the negative, the way that you put to silence all the negative thoughts and all the things that cause you to sometimes maybe second guess yourself, the way you put those things to silence is by doing the exact opposite of what it suggests. So if the enemy tells you that you can't, do the exact opposite. See, now is the time for us to awaken out of sleep, slumber, and distraction and step to the front line. Here recently, we just lost uh, our civil rights leader, John Lewis. Surprisingly, there is a vacant seat in the House of Representatives. And I ask you, who is that seat waiting to be filled by? I would, I would just submit these couple of things for you to think about. Are you the David whose own father did not consider him? but was chosen by God to be king? Are you the Joseph who was sold out by his own siblings, but became governor and second in command to Pharaoh? Are you the Esther whose beauty caught the eye of the king, but went in without being summoned to save the lives of our people, of her people? And lastly, are you the Jacob that we have been talking about who wrestled with God for his change and prevailed? God has some special things in store for us. He has some things that he wants to do in and through us. It's time for the church, those of us that know God, to take and come to the front line. It's time to come to the front line. We can no longer afford to sit back the old saying that says silence gives consent. So if we don't say anything, if we don't do anything, that means we are in agreement or everything that's going on is okay with us. It's time for us to seek the face of God for direction, to take on more active roles, maybe even on your job. You're there for a reason. Just like with Esther, her uncle Mordecai had to remind her, Esther, you have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now is the appropriate time. If we allow God to lead us and guide us and direct us, it might surprise us where he takes us. But we have to trust him. It's not about our own ability or our skill, but it is about what he has placed in us. God is expecting a prophet. He is expecting just like when they gave out the talents, God is expecting you to produce something. 
not on your own might, not on your own strength, but he's expecting you to allow him to use you for his glory and for his praise. People are dying. They are lost. They are desperate. Have you ever been desperate? Have you ever wanted something so bad and it seemed like all hope was lost? That's where many of us was before the Lord saved us, before he dealt with our hearts, before he regenerated our mind. Give someone else that opportunity. Open your heart and say, God, I need you to direct me. I yield myself to you so that you can direct me to help somebody else. Don't be so concerned because sometimes if we would take the opportunity to reach out and help someone else, that same thing that you sow will be the thing that you reap when you need it. So don't always look to get something in the beginning. It's like the farmer that sows seed. Let this time be a seed time for you where you're sowing, helping, because there's going to come a harvest. And if the farmer chooses to eat the seed, he's only filled for that time. But if he chooses to sow, then there will be a harvest. So I encourage you, sow now so that you can reap later. God has us. We are the apple of his eye. He is concerned about us. There's not, there's nothing that you go through that he is not aware of. And it's not just cliche to say it just to make things feel better, make you feel better. God is truly, truly concerned about us. And he's going to cause all things to work together for our good. So I encourage you tonight. Walk in the change. Walk in your change. Let the Lord deal with your heart, deal with your mind in this time that we have now. So that when we come from here, opportunities going to spring up. New businesses will be born out of this. New opportunities are going to come that you never even expected. You've never even expected. But this is the opportune time because it's the most, it seems to be the most inopportune. But it is, now is the practical time where if we were to seek the face of God, he would give us direction and we can come from here. So I encourage you just to keep pressing in to God, press in, seek him. Look to him and he's faithful and he's just and he's well aware of everything that you're going through. So I encourage you, seek the face of God. Walk in your change. God bless you.